welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Nevin, for getting together with me on the podcast for this conversation. There's a, a number of things that I'm just interested in talking with you about. And, uh, but first of all, just like an introduction of you, you're uh, one of the elders at Rockport mm-hmm. um, Baptist Church, and um, you're a cabinet maker. Yes. You have a family out here in Festus. Um, is there anything else you want to say about yourself, just to kind of f- fill in an introduction? No, I, um, I've, I've been a cabinet maker for 28 years on my own, and um, have a wide variety of interests and hobbies that, that also keep me busy along with that, but married and um, married for 25 years last year and to Paula and have four sons um, that have all helped me in various degrees in the business and uh, yeah, that's how we stay busy. Okay. And your background, um, so you grew up in a Lutheran church, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, then at some point, well, how did? But now you're in a Baptist church. So, how how did that transition work out? Well, um, for me, it was a um, uh, went to church. You know, of course, was baptized and um, confirmed in the Lutheran church, but wasn't a regular attender. We moved a lot, um, several times. I think nine times during my life uh, from Iowa before we got down Wisconsin to Iowa to here in Missouri. And um, my dad got a job at Jefferson College right down the road, and that's how we ended up here. But um, but just never never picked up the churches as we moved. Sometimes real real well, uh, joining different churches. We. Um, so in, by the time I got here in high school, I wasn't uh, attending church, wasn't a, what you would consider myself looking back a Christian. I would have at the time, but I wouldn't, wouldn't now. So, um, of course, went into a, through high school, a um, full, full rebellion, full, um, um, and uh, didn't have any interest in, in those things. But, um, but after I... Um, got saved through a uh, being in a recovery program, um, AA and NA and different programs like that, I, I some of the guys were going to church. And so I got with the Lutheran guys. I mean, I just thought that's what we did. It was familiar. And so I went to a Lutheran church plant that was pretty new. And how uh, old were you? At I was 26. Okay. By that time. So... Um, New life, you know, excited, you know, clean and serene and happy and, you know, everything was fresh and new, um, bright-eyed, um, and, um, and loved this, this little church plant. And so there was probably um, three or four guys from the meetings and from the program that were all recovering, either alcoholics or addicts or something, and we just all, um, and, the, and the church plant was made up of odd odd sort of people anyway it was just a lot of fun um, and um, so that went pretty well um, for about a year and then I met Paula and Paula was a Southern Baptist and um, so I went to church with her and I met um, a type of Christianity and a type of preaching that I'd never never really heard before Richard Adams Dr. Adams was a um, um, just a phenomenal preacher and um, sort of an Adrian Rogers tone to him, set to him, and um, uh, I just fell in love with it. Just really fell in love with uh, his preaching and his teaching, and he um, was very kind and very um, welcoming. And so as we continued to uh, date, we um, I got baptized there and, and joined that church at it, okay. As I went along, as we began to go to Sunday school and began to do um, discipleship groups, um, we, we I, I just really fell in love with that that walk and that that uh, uh, clarity in the gospel that I heard there. Something that's been on 
my mind lately that I was just going to bring up and ask you about is, um, like, I guess I have like an, I guess you'd call it an ecumenical streak to me, you know, like a tendency, um, meaning, um, you know, I, the idea of like uh, enjoying Christian fellowship with those who I might not agree with, who are of mm-hmm. different traditions and so forth. Um, so, um, so there's the, um, so like you were a, a Lutheran and that's kind of, uh, that's quite a bit different than like a Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I believe that, um, Lutherans, they see things like the Lord's Supper and baptism as like, um, more than just, um, a symbol, but they see like grace coming through Mm -hmm. those things or something along those lines, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They do, and and so those those would be the two main differences that you would see. Although, um, growing up, it was much more high church Lutheran Mm -hmm. um, than than what I was involved with with the church plant. was much more, you know, blue jeans and regular, you know, a lot of... Much more. We met in a funeral home, oh, okay, so wow. it was very different than what I, and that's what I liked. You know, I really, I, I really liked that, and um, and there was people there that were um, just feel like they didn't fit in that environment, that, that that high church. You know, didn't have the right clothes or didn't feel like they fit in. You know, they, and that was their own misperception, but. Um, and I'm not saying that the, they needed to make the church plant to fit them, but it was a, uh, it was new. It was, it was. They, they really felt like they had some a part in that. You know, a lot of people did. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was great to, to be welcomed into that. But, but yeah, it is different. Um, it, you know, even even though there's different Southern Baptist churches, even in our local area here, that have different cultures and different looks and feels to them as far as the the, the music and the worship and the liturgy. Um, it's very different when you go into a, a Luther. You know, you would notice a big difference. Yeah. So as far as um, it seems um, that um, you know, sharing Christian fellowship, you know, and with others and having a unity seems to be a New Testament mm-hmm. type of thing to me. Like I'm, I'm thinking of Paul in Romans. Um, speaking of tolerating other people who mm-hmm. might observe certain days, what they do it unto the Lord, and um, they might abs- eat or not eat, abstain from mm-hmm. eating and drinking certain things and so forth. Um, but, of course, we have to draw the circle somewhere because at some point um, there might be some who might uh, claim the name of, of Jesus, and yet, um, you know, it's... Is clearly this is not the Jesus of the Bible or something along those lines. So, um, do you have any thoughts about like where that circle is um, should be uh, drawn um, when it comes to um, enjoying Christian fellowship with um, other people? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've thought about that too. Um, I spend a lot of time with people in other denominations and other faiths, you know, especially in the Protestant, you know, circles. But um, within those, but and they're very different on some areas. But I, I firmly believe that they are Christians. And I think they do things. Some of them do certain things better than than I do or, or we do. And I'd like to learn from that and grow in that but I think the example that you gave with you know Paul speaking to um, to different um, rituals and what we would call secondary issues um, because early Christianity was like that you know it, was, it looked very Jewish in a lot of ways even in the churches that might have been made up of primarily Gentiles it still had a Jewish flair to it so you couldn't expect people to just quit you know their um observance of the sabbath or their observance of because their culture their whole lives were built around that their whole week was built around that their whole economic system was built around those things you know we Mm -hmm. you remember the blue laws um ours used to be more more so built around things that were respected and honored about you know the the how the the weekend or the lord's day or the sabbath or whatever but not so much anymore but um, so, uh, 
So, you know, looking at that and looking at people um, that desire to be holy and desire to be godly and desire to honor God with their lives, um, I just think we, we have to be quick to respect that and and attempt to understand that, whether we believe that or whether we have freedom to do that or not, uh, to do that thing or not. Um, and that's what you run into when you when you start fellowshipping with other believers, is they have um, some genuine beliefs about the Lord's Supper and some genuine beliefs about baptism. And, and I think the, the the best thing that we can do is to to really understand those and understand those beliefs. And I think for me, what it's done is it's helped me solidify my own and, and firm up my own. Why do I believe what I believe? Is it a matter of ritual? Is it a, is it a matter of um, tradition? You know, what I was raised with? Because coming from a Lutheran background to a, a um, you know, Southern Baptist background, a lot of those things were new, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, just how we explain grace, how we explain um, freedom in Christ. And, you know, so, so right now I'm studying... Um, in Galatians and just that whole conversation about um, other things being added to grace and um, so it's it's just a good it's a it's a I think for me it's been one of the, the best things that I've done in my Christian walk is to um, uh, enjoy that freedom that I have to be friends and with others and learn from others and not be so contained in a bubble or contained behind a wall, you know, for safety's sake. And, and um, uh, I think it's been a, a real growing experience for me. So um, in thinking about this for myself, I thought, well, you know, who's outside of the circle, you know? And mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe it's like those who um, hold, you know, they hold to the uh, economical uh, creeds, like the Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, if they are... If that's their creed too, then they're within Christianity and so forth. But then it, you just mentioned Paul in Galatians, and he um, was drawing that line with um, circumcision. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, you, "You're fallen from grace if you allow yourself to be circumcised." So that's kind of like drawing the circle, I guess, yeah. for him. Yeah. Um. And there's like. Um, uh, what do you think? Like, what uh, what puts someone outside of that circle? Whereas you would say, I can't regard you as a brother or sister in, in Christ. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, it would be Christ Himself. It would be denying um, Christ's deity. You know, that we're not really you're not really a Christian. Then, see, that's what Paul was. I think that's what Paul was saying was. You know, Phil Riken says when he's writing about that book, uh, Galatians, he says that, um, you know, it's a book for recovering Pharisees. And I thought, well, uh, you know, what if you're not in recovery? Because it seems like I meet a lot of religious people that are kind of pharisaical. And his point was you can't be both. You can't be a Pharisee and a Christian because a Pharisee was strictly depending on their Jewishness and their righteousness through their through the law. And... Um, so I would say that you know somebody who doesn't um, um, have a uh, a clear belief that that Jesus is Lord. So I have I have people that I'm that I connect really well with that are some great encouragers with me that are um, from faith that wouldn't be necessarily Trinitarian. And that's where I get really close to my circle, and I say, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Because you're denying now. You're denying something about God's character, Christ's character, through denying the Trinity. And so that's where I've come up against the the clo- the, the the circle. But but I have a hard time understanding that you know, or, or saying that they're not Christians. You know, it's a, it's just a very different mm-hmm. perspective on it. So and that and there's a lot of amount there's a lot of people out there like that. So, um, but we still have conversations and we still disagree about that. And I know where they find that in scripture. I know where they see that in scripture. But I think they're wrong because uh, it, it's firmed up. It's it's firmed up my belief in the Trinity and firmed up where I see that in scripture for myself. Mm-hmm. Not that somebody just told me that and stay away from these other people. But so mm-hmm. I think that's. 
I think that's um, been good for both of us in those conversations, you know, is to see that and be able to understand that and just to be able to um, be firm in that and not just be reciting something that someone told us. You know, that's, that's what Paul mm-hmm. says also in Galatians was he said, you know, when he introduces himself, he said, I'm, a, I'm an apostle from God. You know, this, I, I got this from God. Mm-hmm. You, what you're hearing is Christ through me, um, not from someone else. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn this somewhere. You know, and just somebody just didn't teach me this, and now I'm telling you. So that carries different weight being apostolic like that rather than just a good teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had, he had a good teacher, he had one of the best. You know, like Gamiel, mm-hmm. and so he was. But he said that was just some, something somebody told me. He could have been wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, and then that would be another one too that I would that I would focus on and I would take note of when I was talking to somebody is the authority of scripture. And I like to know early on with a, a person or with another Christian if they if they believe in any sort of authority of scripture because if they don't then it's it's hard to navigate that conversation because it, it came from somewhere else, you know. Different revelation. Okay. Um well but believing the the truth of the Gospels is a different than believing in, like, the things that we believe about the Scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not quite believe. You know, it's the, yeah, right, yeah. But I'm saying, like, tradition of the church. If your if your tradition of the church holds equal weight to the tradition, the the truth of the gospel that we find in the Scripture, then then I don't really. I'm not super familiar with your tradition of the church, and I so you so don't I would, know exactly what you believe. Asterisk next to that, and have to look at that or you know right. or, or, or hopefully I'd have a good enough relationship with the person where they would be comfortable explaining that to me and sharing right. that with me and, it, and it's always good to do that with other people for them and for me to understand and for them to mm-hmm. be able to articulate it clearly so what's been on my mind lately is justification because um, I've been um, kind of hanging around with some Roman Catholics and I had a, a couple on my podcast just yesterday, and we talked to some. And I think that this is um, maybe similar to Lutherans too. But if someone considers themselves, um, who consider, if someone who considers themselves a Christian sees an act like baptism as a means for receiving grace mm-hmm. um, that God gives, but He, God gives that grace through Jesus and His death and resurrection, but baptism or the Eucharist or something like that would be like a means of receiving that. Um, Though I would disagree with that, or though you would disagree with that, is that that different than what Paul was talking about, you know, as far as adding something to um, the gospel? um, Like Paul, it seems kind of different to me. Like Paul was saying you have to be... um, you can't be adding something like being a good religious person, a good Jew or something like that. Um, but this seems a little bit different. And well, it seems like it kind of fits with some like uh, history, you know, like this throughout the, the church history. Um, you know, it's like from the Reformation and maybe sometimes before too that you know we see some of these things as more symbolic and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts about um seeing these things as a means of grace is that like um a problem with um you know is that a major problem like what paul was having or is that just a difference of opinion um well, yeah, it's certainly a difference of opinion, but I think that it could be a problem depending mm-hmm. on the importance that you put on it and um, the importance and um, necessity of it. You know, I think it's, uh, it's uh, we, we've made it a necessity for church membership, you know, for, for baptism. And, um, and then you can take the Lord's Supper after that. So um, we all have... A, a series of steps to walk through but we don't receive anything from that we're acknowledging something that's happened we're acknowledging mm-hmm. grace has right. come and then the the baptism and then the following lord's supper is a symbol of 
is a symbol of that. So yeah, so going back to the Reformation, that's where they there was a lot of division, and a lot of uh, when when people were really searching the scriptures and they were really saying um, what the what scripture says about baptism, what scripture says about the Lord's Supper, and um, so that was the, the 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 fuel that you know ignited the Reformation. But <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that's, that's, those are the conversations, and those were the two big conversations then, and they probably still are now, that, that divide. Um, I think someone, I, I read the other day, there's 60,000 denominations. You know, there's, I know there's 20 or 30 right around here, um, and they all seem to divide on, on those things. Um, so I wouldn't have a, a, a quick and, and, and short answer for that. But as far as what Paul was saying, especially in, in what I was just talking about in Galatians, um, it could be, you know, and, and we could say that we are so, um, believe that we're so right and so biblical in, in how you and I do church um, as Reformed Baptists that, uh, you know, somebody comes to us that just got radically converted at a Billy Graham crusade and um, we say oh, that's awesome that's wonderful we're um, praise the Lord for that but now you need to be Baptist mm-hmm. now you need to be reformed and you know Baptist is don't go to this other church or don't do this or you mm-hmm. know we, we put something else on that quickly you mm-hmm. know to try for their own good mm-hmm. and I think that those sacraments that you mentioned could be viewed in that way Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that would be an that would be an error. Mm-hmm. Then you would have added something to grace, mm-hmm. and uh, which mm-hmm. we we try very hard not to do. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and ours ours that's 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 the purpose for things being. Um, Zwingli was a um, was somebody who who are if we would tra- trace our view back to um, the Lord's Supper would be. Probably Swingley was one of right. the first ones that said it's symbolic. Yeah, you know, it's really just—it's really—it's a beautiful symbol. You know, um, many churches, especially in Reformed tradition, do it every week, every time yeah. we gather. And um, but it's not. There's there's nothing in Scripture that says that there's any any presence or anything set out other than that. Of course, they killed him. You know, <laughs> he got drowned for that. But right. So when I read Swingley. Like, I think, hey, that's just what we believe, you know. It's part of it, yeah. Or uh, At least that part. That yeah. part, yeah. yeah. But he sounds like I relate to him, like, really well. Not when I read him, but when I read about, about his him, views. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be... Um, but, like, you're, you've, you're recently in church, a church history course, or maybe you mm-hmm. still are. I am still, yeah. So what about, like, um, the previous 1,500 years... Um, was Swingley, Zwingli's view prevalent, or was that kind of a new thing? And was it more of, um, you know, seeing uh, like I, you know, I'm he didn't. Um, I was recently talking with a um, Lutheran pastor who um, said, "Yeah, the way we view the Lord's Supper, it goes back to the early church." Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm thinking he's talking about the apostolic fathers yeah. and so forth. So is that? Um, is that true? Is it like um, Zwingli's view, kind of more of a, a new thing when you're looking at the church history that was before it? I think so. I mean, I, I think it was. I don't know exactly. I'd, 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 I would have to go back and look at you know more ancient medieval church history, but it, I really haven't. But mm-hmm. I, I do. I do know that it was a, a different view, and that's what um, you know the. Um, that was the spark of the early spark of the Reformation between him and him and Luther. Mm-hmm. You know, Luther being in Germany and Zwingli being in Zurich, I think. But um, Switzerland, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think it was. Uh, uh, I don't know how how widespread it was, or who if there was others along the way. But I do know that he was. Uh, and I think what he was. I think what it did was it caused people to to look at the scriptures rather than tradition. I think mm-hmm. you're right in saying that the tradition goes back a long ways. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that, that you know, I would agree with Zwingli in the, in the, um, in his, you know, 
assertion that it's not it's not in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just a church tradition. But so, so I would um, think well, the Bible is the authority, but um, if if you know it it has been tr- church tradition, you know, for um, though we're saved through Jesus' death and resurrection, we receive grace through. The, the Eucharist, Eucharist mm. or baptism, that would kind of lean me toward like being pretty tolerant to those who hold that view. Mm. Um, if it's like such a part of, and I don't know how much of a part of it is, but if it is mm. like the the thread throughout the, you know, yeah. um, even though I would disagree, it kind of leans me toward that being tolerant or yeah. kind of thinking. That they're not so odd or something like that. Yeah, I guess. yeah, me too. It, it really does, and that's the argument is always that it's an older, a much older tradition. And I think, you know, we view or I view the the Reformation that time as a correction, you know, as a course correction rather than something new, you know, mm-hmm. per se. So, I think it's a uh, more of a course correction than than a new doctrine or a new, which you know we'd want to beware of uh, any sort of a new doctrine, but I think it's a, I think it was a course correction there, is how I see it and they, they don't, you know, I mean they see theirs as, as being old and rooted in tradition and mm-hmm. um, but either way I think it's it's important to um, respect someone's you know, firmly held belief, you know and mm-hmm. and you know, I just think that's important. Uh, e- even even ones that might seem seem strange to us at first, but mm-hmm. uh, to understand, to try and understand that, and try to um, know how they got there, and know how, and, and that that like I said, that's helpful for both of us to understand when we're we're talking through that, and be able to explain your position, and be able to receive theirs, and be able to understand theirs. Yeah, know, and I being worried about being changed through that, you know. Yeah, and I want to, of course, to respect people, to respect their views and everything. But the the tough part is sometimes like, um, where am I free to, you know, say you're my brother or sister in Christ? We mm-hmm. we differ, but um, we're in the body of Christ together, and uh, we'll um, I, I regard you as someone who is in the body of Christ and mm-hmm. who's who's uh, sharing in this inheritance along with me, you know. So that's kind of like um, the, the yeah. r- wrestling mm-hmm. through some of these things for me, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, what kind of Christian fellowship do you enjoy the most? Like, do you enjoy um, singing, the preaching, chats over coffee? Um, my son joy- enjoys... Um, sports a lot so maybe that's like a type of christian fellowship for him <laughs> yeah but um how do you enjoy um interacting with christians and being built up by them and vice versa and so forth um, um well yeah I, I think i i enjoy uh spending time together probably in smaller groups you know okay. probably not bigger groups i don't like um if i'm in a bigger group i'm more comfortable if it's if I have somebody to connect with you know like one person there um, is usually how I will spend my you know evening if, I, if I'm in a big group um, okay so yeah. Um, so yeah as far as Christian fellowship I I like to um, you know somebody told me at one time a long time ago that you you need to always have a, a Timothy in your life hmm. and a Barnabas in your life mm-hmm. you know and you just always see yourself in that middle you know, so you always have somebody um, feeding into your life or discipling. You know, you and you are doing the same for somebody else, and, and that could be more than one person. But um, to always, always have that. So, I guess that's probably what I enjoy the most is one on one on one sort of um, relationships. You know, with other Christians. Um, right. I find myself over the years. Um, working with other Christians, you know, and doing work projects and doing um, projects around the shop, you know, possibly maybe helping them weld something or learn how to, you know, weld or doing something Mm -hmm. unusual in woodworking or helping them with a woodworking project or, Mm -hmm. um, so I think that I don't like to just, 
I will do a certain amount of sitting still and talking, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I like to be doing something too. Hmm. Sometimes hunting, I've mentored a lot of hunters, you know, mm-hmm. and gotten um, help. Uh, I don't know, six or eight men get their first deer, you mm-hmm. know, and then show them how to field dress it. And that's, that's sometimes that's a process, you know. Mm-hmm. All four of my sons I've worked through that with, but some other young men and some other older men, you know, mm-hmm. get there, get through that. And um, so I enjoy those kind, that type of Christian fellowship, you know, more yeah. practical, more hands-on. But, um, um, but I do enjoy sitting also with a more mature believer and somebody who's um, investing into my life, you know, and, and helping me hold hold me accountable in, in some areas that I, you know, drift in and uh, may not see that myself, you know. So I, hmm. I do, I do like, I do like that that role too, and I think that's a necessary role to have have somebody in your life that's that's doing that with you and being open to that, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I know. Um, now you're a part of a group of elders, so you probably have that. Um, it comes a little bit with the job. Yeah. But um, like, bef- seems like that's not always easy to have someone mm-hmm. who will kind of be honest with you and speak yeah. into your life. And so it, it isn't, and uh, um, uh, it takes work to to maintain that. It takes work to um, to to grow that, but. Um, I have had it. I had uh, I had a guy um, who we became close friends. Uh, I sold him a um, an old bandsaw about 20 years ago, and it was a huge Holland Brown. It took a piece of machinery to even load it for him, and we had a um, typical disaster, you know, of two men trying to move this big piece of machinery without the right equipment, and, and it took two or, ended up taking two or three days to get to get it out of the shop and had to take it apart and. We became best friends, you know, 20 years ago over that experience, and and he was the type of he was the type of person who would call two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. And if I learned wow. anything from him, it was just the effort of reaching out to somebody and making a quick phone call or just checking on them, and you you could count on it. You know what day it was? You didn't know what time of day it was, but he was calling. He was an Anglican priest, so the the connection that we had was he was a woodworker mm-hmm. and loved woodworking more than I do. He was crazy about it, mm-hmm. and um, he was about uh, fifteen years older than me. But he had been in the uh, Episcopalian Church, and then I think in the, maybe in the eighties or whenever they kind of split up, and he went to a more conservative Anglican. Um, which is a much smaller denomination in this area anyway mm-hmm. and um, uh, and most of his friends went to the Episcopalian church you know went, the priests and people that he was, in, he was in seminary with went to, went that way but um, but he was a woodworker and he made wine cellars and he was just a, just a great encourager in my life you know, not not a father figure but more of an older brother mm-hmm. you know that you always you always wish you had you know sort of um, that was uh, just real active in your life and real encouraging. So he um, he just died last year. He had pancreatic cancer and died real quick. But that was uh, somebody that I mean, it was kind of a gift, you know, because I, I, you're always longing for that. Like you said, you always know that you need that, and it's hard to develop that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that older brother one, you know, being the or you know being the younger in that relationship. But that was real natural. And, so, uh, what were the phone calls like? Were they just real brief, or no? Okay. He, you know, he would, he would, he would. Most of the time, he would. Uh, it wouldn't be brief. It would be um, wanting to know everything that you were doing. Mm-hmm. What are you working on? Mm-hmm. What are you doing at church? Are you mm-hmm. preaching? Are you teaching anything? Mm-hmm. Have you read any good books? But not in a in a grilling sort of way. Just in a, I just really want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he would know next time when he called back so it was it was hard it was a hard relationship for me because i like to ask those i mean i like to and i I have a a good memory for that sort of thing so i want to do that and you really didn't get a chance to because he was finding out about you and Mm -hmm. the boys and the kids and um his kids were already grown you know Mm -hmm. by that time so he had had uh, two boys and a girl so he had raised his kids and put them through college and um but he was very different, you know. It was a very, um, 
high church, you know, <laughs> very liturgical. But he was a great example of um, somebody who was very dedicated to loving Christ and loving people mm-hmm. and just um, spent at least the last, most of that time that I knew him was spent just serving homeless and and uh, economically deprived and, and mm-hmm. working in nonprofits and even day-to-day things of going and, and, and driving to these places and, and helping load a bed for somebody and take it somewhere and just very mm-hmm. hands-on, him and his wife both. So, um, yeah, think, just a great example. Do you think he had several people that he was checking in on? So, so at the funeral, I found out that there was a bunch of us. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he lived in Kansas City for a few years. He had a church over there for four or five years, and it was a long time ago. Um, and it wasn't very long. And, and uh, I was standing next to a guy. at the, They had a big um, party at their house in Webster Groves after the funeral, or after the – they had a mass um, – a Catholic mass for him, and uh, his wife was Catholic, and uh, he. Uh, so they had a big party afterwards, and, and I met people at that party that were even more connected to him than I was. I felt like I was really somebody special there. That we were, you know, this great, you know, mm-hmm. uh, brotherhood and friendship and mentorship, and I was just one of. Several. I, I, I talked to a guy that um, I was standing next to when I was eating, and he said, um, "You know, Phil was always the first one to visit me at the hospital." Hmm. I thought, "Oh, that's great." You know, I never got to—I didn't do any hospital stuff with him, but I bet he was good at that. He said, "And I live in Kansas City." I mean, hmm. he would—if he was in the hospital, he would drive from St. Louis to Kansas City to visit him oh, wow. in the hospital and come back and go back and forth and maybe stay there while he was in the hospital and this mm-hmm. was just somebody from his church when he had a church in Kansas City and that was years and years ago mm-hmm. so but I've I talked to several people that he did the phone call thing with mm-hmm. he was he was just that way he would go sit up at the the corner repair shop auto repair shop in Webster Groves because they had coffee out there and he would go sit and drink coffee in this waiting room of this auto repair shop because he knew the owner had gotten to know the owner from working on his car and start calling people from, from the waiting room drinking coffee. It was just, he, just, he was just, he was just such a community and I just love that about him. So while he was getting his, while his car was being worked on, he was making oh. use of that time? Is that what you're no, saying? No, they, they, they had worked on it at one time. Now he would, now oh, then he would just keep going and just sit there, you know, oh. and, and visit with people and visit with the owner and drink their oh, coffee wow. and call us, call people oh, wow. from the auto repair place. Yeah. So uh, it was just a, a great example. So even mm-hmm. somebody outside of our, you know, especially some, my point was, I guess, somebody outside of our tribe, somebody mm-hmm. outside of our circle, somebody with different, you know, mm-hmm. um, understandings of the sacraments, mm-hmm. but still a great example. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any doubt, you know, at all that he was a believer and, and really a great example. Mm-hmm. And um, in what we it, and so for me to understand his his understanding of the of the sacraments and and what he believed, he gave me his entire you know pastoral library, you know probably hmm. twenty five hundred books you know from an Anglican priest library. So here, mm-hmm. you want to understand it? Read read these. You know, I thought, but uh, it was he was um, he was great. So I did. So about a month later, um, we had a a second funeral um, for the family and friends, and I, I did that funeral. Mm-hmm. So that's what he wanted. Okay. You know, a, a Protestant, you know, funeral mm-hmm. uh, in the in my tradition. So, so I used his um, book of common prayer mm-hmm. and went through it, and he had it all marked up. Okay. So, it was mm-hmm. cool. It was a great, great funeral. Beautiful morning. Mm-hmm. So that sounds really neat. It sounds like pretty rare. I mean, you can't just go out and find a person like that. <laughs> Is it something you can pray for and you can try to be? Like you yeah, said, he's a good be. example. Yeah. yeah. That would be great to have um, people in our lives, like um, like you were saying, that you're kind of nourishly feeding and, you know, yeah. Timothy and then those who are encouraging you and listening to you and so forth. You know? I thought about it later, uh, Will, in, in the sense that um, I wonder how difficult it was for him. 
you know, I don't think he never, I never, I never perceived that our relationship was difficult for him. Mm-hmm. But I always assumed that it was easy. You mm-hmm. know, I always assumed that that was just a natural. Hey, I, this is my friend, and I just wonder how many things I said that were completely opposed to what he believed that mm-hmm. I just spoke with frankness about that were mm-hmm. hard for him, or maybe would be for me that just went right. Hmm. right across the table and we just kept kept going mm-hmm. you know he kept kept mm-hmm. feeding and kept being a great example of of Christ in my life without having to stop at every point and say no you're wrong about that or you're mm-hmm. here's where we're different or you know he, mm-hmm. he didn't we didn't have that relationship at all hmm. yeah and still he still believed what he what he believed with mm-hmm. firmness and conviction and I still did in the mm-hmm. end so yeah I think it is a, a rare thing but I think the only and I think we would we would seek that, but I think we have a greater opportunity to be that. Yeah. We are in seminary right now. Um, what kind of ideas are floating around at seminary, or who are people reading and into? Um, what's going on now? Well, I don't spend <clears throat> a lot of um, the, the people that I that I associate with are so, you know, if you're doing five classes or you're, you're a full-time student, mm-hmm. I don't think you have <clears throat> a lot of liberty to, to roam, you know, on, on, on things. So you're, you're really, mm-hmm. you're really on a track if you're, if you're in a full-time seminary student. And I, I feel for those guys. They look, they always look tired. You know, they always mm-hmm. look, you know, like they're a bit overwhelmed <clears throat> with that. But, so I only do two classes at a time, mm-hmm. and, and I've done it for four semesters now, maybe five. Mm-hmm. I did one the first semester, but it was kind of an experiment to go there just to see if academically I could do it. Um, it had been 30 years since I'd, I'd been in school, and that was only a junior college, you know, more of a technical mm-hmm. thing anyway. And I, I had done a couple classes here or there and done a, an online class or two, but... Um, you know what you'll find to answer your question is there's there's all kinds of people there, mm-hmm. and really all, all kinds of um, you know of course different denominations, but mostly we, you would be reformed, mostly you would be um, of some of some flavor. There's other there's other Baptist students there that I always see or meet you know other Baptist students, but predominantly people that are in the PCA that are in a ministerial track or mostly a pastoral track. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so we end up reading a lot of things um, uh, from, from different faiths, you know, from, you know, I think we read, um, uh, you know, Francis Schaeffer. We do a lot of Francis Schaeffer stuff. We do a lot of, you know, um, C.S. Lewis stuff. Just things from a little bit different, you know. Henry Nowen, we just finished a book, you know, and he's a Catholic. Um, so, just to see some different perspectives, and they would be writing about areas that they were probably strong in or well known, well known for. So, um, you know, the, you'll find just uh, different teachers or different professors that have a little bit different views views mm-hmm. on on some things, subtly but still mainstream, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, I've heard you mention before, and it sounds like it's from the influence of Jerem Bars, that it's good to point out to non-Christians um, the ways that God is working in their life. Mm-hmm. So, um, if, if, if I got that right, um, why is that? Um, would that not encourage them just to be content with uh, staying where they're at if mm-hmm. God's working in their lives? Or how is that useful? Well, um, I think what, what uh, you know, what I, if I've learned anything from Jerem, it's to see, um, first of all, what I was talking about with, with respecting somebody's, you know, um, firmly held belief. Not that, not that it, you're saying that it's right or not that you're saying that it's somewhere you should stay. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, um, you're not going to build much of a bridge if you, you know, if you start an argument on the approach, you know, right. we're just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, um, 
Paul did that, you know, in his preaching. You know, when you think about in Acts 17, about him um, preaching to, and about all, when he went into town and and um, he was waiting for the others to get there, and, and he preached at the Apocryphalus. You know, he he says, um, you know, he points out all of the the gods, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then um, um, points out the the um, um, the unknown, the unknown God, mm-hmm. and so I mean, he's he. I think what you're doing when you um, you do that is you're approaching them where they're at, you know, and you're saying that there's um, you can find you can see God working in their life, and it's a it's a um, it's a matter of uh, it's a it's a point of building that bridge. So it's the mm-hmm. it's the um, what do they call that the abutment? But, when, when, the, when the bridge is set on on this side of the of the of the road, you know, or this side of the highway, and um, so I guess what I'm saying, you know, what Jerem was saying about that is, um, um, you can see, uh, you can begin a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe, you know, in God or doesn't believe that God is working in their lives. It's a, it's a simple way because. You can always find something. You, know, you can always see something, and you know, you and I would see that, but it's important for them to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a saying that this is um, there's a, there's an acknowledgement of God in that mm-hmm. that, that there, there is a God and there is a God working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I meet people that are, I, I don't think I've ever really talk to a, a real atheist you know I mean I think that there's those are kind of unusual to have somebody who's can prove and that it, that and is not only convinced but is you know is firm in their position and, and can back it up that there's no God um, but I meet a lot of agnostics you know when I talk to and that's that's probably what I was uh, was more of an agnostic. Was that yeah? There there may or may not be a God. I don't really care. You know, I don't really um, see how that benefits me or um, has anything to do with me. So um, being able to go in and, and point to somebody who's who's reluctant to the gospel and who's resistant to the gospel and be able to show them that that um, there there's a God already working in their lives, and that would t- that wouldn't come from uh, a two minute conversation. That would come from somebody you knew well, or somebody that you knew um, that you were getting to know well. That you could show them that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's always there's always something there. I mean, there's always yeah. something there. Yeah, there's some some fellows that I meet with on Sunday morning at McDonald's. I kind of came upon them and just on accident and have been kind of meeting with them regularly. There's one uh, fellow I talked to. um, He, um, so he, you know, I've talked to him about Christianity and like he's really negative against the the church, you know, pastors or preachers are just out for your money, Mm -hmm. you know. And then when I ask, are are you into the Bible and stuff? Nah, he's not interested in that. But, um, he likes to talk about his good health at 87, 86 or 87, and uh, he'll say it a lot of times, you know, the Lord is with me, you know. <laughs> and um, there's a certain sense in which that is true, you know, but then there's um, concerns too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, uh, for him, it seems like um, he likes to think, God is involved in his life, um, mm-hmm. and that's true. And you know, God gives him every breath that he that he has, and yet, um, I guess there needs to be—I don't know—something. There needs to be something to be concerned about too. Mm-hmm. I would I would think for him, because um, there doesn't seem to be—I um, don't know—a mm-hmm. a, a, a love for God, or at least in the way that I normally think of it like a, a love for scripture and uh yeah wanting to um you know uh stay away from sin and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i guess um once the person kind of is acknowledging um god's presence and so forth i guess through that relationship the next would it be um pointing out concerns like well sure god's involved but 
that doesn't mean you just I mean go through life like not caring about the, anything else you know yeah, like, um, yeah I, I just think we you know we just want so much for that person you know to know um, and for it to be you know to experience that joy and an experience that peace and that comes with really knowing God that um, it's a little bit frustrating to see somebody you know not want to take steps in that direction mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's a process you know I, I casually mentioned you know when we were talking about you know um, when I was saved and it sounds like a you know snap of a finger mm-hmm. and it was a process mm-hmm. I mean for me it was a probably a long slow arduous process and um, and growing in my understanding of of God and, and who I was and um, and then a guy you know encouraged me in the scriptures you know I, I really wasn't you know um, I have the Bible that they gave me in my confirmation but it, it's not been read you know other than just mm-hmm. a little bit here and there when I was young but when I um, when I became uh, interested when I when I began uh, you know went through an experience you know which was like a life and death experience with me you know coming into sobriety and, and changing you know, my whole life turning around 26 like I mentioned uh, I was receptive and, mm-hmm. and a, a man saw that you know and uh, uh, he was a Lutheran as well but he was hadn't been to church and wouldn't go back to church he had a terrible experience there and but I met him in these meetings and he gave me a Bible you know, and it was a devotional Bible, and it was a, and I began to read it, you know, for myself. And he said, "This is, you'll find God in here. You know, this is where God's at. You know, if you want to know more about." It. And and I just happened to be receptive. He could have given that to, to anybody. If he would have given it to me a year before, it would have, I wouldn't have even probably took it. So, so yeah, that was a, that was a long that was a to me looking back that was a long process. And then through that, God became real to me. And God had a radical conversion, you know, hmm. a month later, you know, maybe six weeks later. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was completely radical. Um, just on your own with reading yeah, the Word? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, and just him, him sharing with me, mm-hmm. sharing the faith with me. And I knew that it was real to him. And, and, and I knew he wasn't crazy. He was somebody that I liked very much. His name is Steve. We're still friends. I talk to him every week, too. Hmm. And um, it's been uh, almost 30 years ago. And he, um, but it was very, uh, you know, it was real to him and I trusted him. And, but I didn't know anything about any of it, you know, and I, and it was radically converted and, and um, saw the gospel and saw sin and saw the cross and, and everything became real to me during that time at some point. And um, uh, so, and then that, so then I turned and, you was walking a different path from there on out, but, the, but getting on that path was was very, um, you know, he was doing things like what you were asking about. Um, he was showing me where God had was working in my life. Mm-hmm. God had had saved me from this terrible life. Mm-hmm. And God had given me this cabinet shop, this woodworking business, and mm-hmm. God had provided these things and these skills. And he was very good at at showing me those things. Mm-hmm. And um, making God real for real for me now God saves people in different ways but mm-hmm. as an adult that was a so so that's where I spend a lot of my time uh, during the week is meeting with people like that that are in that same at that same crossroad of of their life of coming into mm-hmm. recovery and coming into sobriety or coming into whatever so I, I try and meet with those people every week you know some a group hmm. of people are different ones and that's because to me that was such a radical time in my life when I was so receptive mm-hmm. to, for, for that so the so the guy that you're talking about for at McDonald's you know if he's if he's not there he might he might be there at some point but I think God puts you in that point and God brings you to that point I mean hmm. if you look at biblically and you look at historically mm-hmm. um, he was um, you know, Steve was was very good at telling me and making and and, and making me believe that um, that I was already that I was accepted 
in God's eyes, you know, when I when I trusted in Him, and there wasn't anything more that I could do. He was explaining; he was very good at explaining grace to me, that I didn't have to earn this anymore, and it was okay to make a mistake, and it was okay that my life was a mistake up to that point. You know, that so you he mean was still there. after your conversion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Up right, right at it. You know, he mm-hmm. he was he was treating me as though I was being converted. Okay. You know, he was, and I didn't know anything about any of that but because you were showing an interest in the bible yeah. and seeking well i was god. yeah i was saying the lord's prayer saying okay. god or whatever and he was telling me bible stories and different things while we were working together you know mm-hmm. and um so it was just uh i go back to those uh, and i look for those crossroads in people's lives so um and i find that you know, those are the most, those are the best times. Any time's a good time to share the gospel and talk about God's grace, but those are the best mm-hmm. for me because that's, that's all I have to go on is what, what happened to me. So I'm partial to, to those those people. And um, You think the message sh- should be slanted more like, um, like it sounds like uh, your friend did, like uh, you are accepted, you know, like putting that out kind of mm-hmm. like when the Ephesians... Um, Paul said, when you heard the good news of your salvation you and you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, is it like, you know, God loves you, he accepts you um, because Jesus died, or is it more of like a slanted more toward concern, like you're not in a good place, you, you mm-hmm. need to... <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably both. I mean, I yeah. think... I don't think, you know, I don't think, I mean, there's probably some people that need to hear that they're in a bad place, and there's some people that already know that just live in that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that there's, you know, they both they both need grace, they both need the gospel, but I, I, that's where I don't, I just have a hard time be, with the genericness of evangelism or the genericness of witnessing or whatever, whatever you, you call it. Um, I, th- I think that it's much more personal than that, you know. Um, the part that I'm talking about this week is is Paul's astonishment, you know, and just in the beginning, and he's just he's just astonished that people would would go back to the religion or that they would even believe that because they had just been radically converted by this this mm-hmm. grace. But that's what happened to me. That's why Galatians is, is of such an interest to me, is because. I was radically converted out of a lawless, you know, um, life and um, was overwhelmed with grace, was overwhelmed with um, the freedom that I had now, um, the forgiveness that I had. And then within a few years, I began to, you know, to say, well, now I'm, I'm religious and I'm clean and don't want to look back at my past anymore and don't want to talk, you know, and I began to to do exactly what the Galatians did. I began to add, you know, to my grace and began to add to that and um, walked for years in that. And, you know, I heard, you know, when a few weeks ago, a guy talking about the difference between, you know, marching and dancing, you know, and when we're, when we're saved and when we're free and converted and we're, we're dancing. I mean, it's a dance. We are excited and mm-hmm. um, we're free. You know the the jail doors have been opened, the chains have been let off, and and then um, at some point we begin marching, and we're not dancing anymore. Not everybody, but I did, and that's what Paul's writing to the Galatians is you know somebody, you were free, you know the chains that were taken off, and you, you put them back on hmm. by adding something by saying now you have to do this, and um, and so. So yeah, I don't remember what the question was, what we were talking about, but I, I know that it's, um, for me, uh, you know, it's, it's important to, um, there's so many different uh, religions and denominations like we talked about, and, mm-hmm. and we were navigating those, but when I'm talking to somebody, the gospel and the, the gospel of free grace and the gospel of... Um, forgiveness that we have in Christ, you know, complete and total forgiveness that we have in Christ is, a, is just a paramount message. And I just want to be able to keep that clear, you know, because there's, like the guy at McDonald's, there's just too much at stake you know, for somebody that doesn't, that doesn't know that and that's living by, you know, trying to, trying to be, 
you know, good and trying to hide their mistakes and trying to do all these things to look right or to, mm-hmm. to be right or to appear right. And the, the message that we have is that you can you can be right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're free. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's important to understand that difference. You know, you talk about where to make the circle, and and for me, that's even when I'm talking to other pastors or other denominations to, 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 to help define that within ourselves that we, we understand that message of free grace you know, that Paul's was so bent on well and just kind of wrapping up if, um, if Christian life as the church could function differently than it is in what way what would be in your imagination the dream way for the church to live as disciples of Jesus? Hmm. Well, I think what I found um, in Christianity is I think there's two types of, of really people that you'll find in the, that I found in the church. And um, is there's um, love your neighbor people and there's doctrine people. And um, you find people that are on extreme on extremes of that, and whole churches and whole denominations, you know, mm-hmm. started that are on more um, ends of the spe- on separate ends of the spectrum. And I think if I could um, change something or or try to steer something, I would try to bring those two things together. Because I'm probably I would probably fall on the love your neighbor side. I would, you know, um, and if and if somebody gets too far on the love your neighbor side. Then they, you'll notice that they're not, they're not big on doctrine, mm-hmm. and they can tend to be in error because they're they're not doctrinally grounded while they're loving their neighbor. And the people that are focused on doctrine and more focused on those things don't tend to be involved in love your neighbor activities. Mm-hmm. So my goal is in that is to, and that's one of my reasons for going to seminary. My my degree is in um, biblical studies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd rather it be, and I had the opportunity to be in an apologetics track, hmm. which I would really like. And I, I, and maybe someday I might, before I graduate, might switch over to that. But that's where I spend a lot of my time with the apologetics people. Mm-hmm. But biblical studies is what I need. Is what I need because I'm I'm probably over on the love your neighbor side too much, and I need the, I need the balance. I need the doctrine mm-hmm. with that. And to say is this biblical. You know, going back to the Reformation, what we're talking about is, is this um, of God in his word, you know, and and of his nature because it's in his word. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's important to note that a lot of the other churches and other denominations and other people that I visit with are all pulling a lot of what they say from his word, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, some, Some extra things, but I'm saying that mostly they'll all say we're in his word too. But so for me to understand, um, the two differences, and I think as a church, I would want to say uh, to bring those two together, you know, mm-hmm. to be solid in doctrine, but not be so far away from neighbor love and not to be so far into neighbor love that you're you know, setting aside doctrine. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard balance, and I think that's where you get a plurality of elders, and I think that's where you have a community of um, believers that are grounded in Christ but are still very different mm-hmm. you know that don't all look look the same um, we can be you know the natural the natural um, progression for a church over time you know after it's planted and after it grows is to start to look alike and to start to right. attract you know mm-hmm. and and that's really natural I'm not I don't mm-hmm. want to try to force change that but to um, to have a little bit different different look you know that that church that we were talking about say in Galatia or it was Jews and um, Gentiles and they were all kind of mixed together but they had they had the gospel and they had um, uh, you know their commonality was Christ and, and we all say that but just understanding that we're all going to be different very different and that's that's the goal and if your if your church starts to look too much alike and we're all doctrine people or we're all you know love your neighbor people then that's not healthy that's not a good balance mm-hmm. um, so um, I would like to see um, you know a, a church being very active in 
um, in the community um, with broken people and with people that are not mm-hmm. not church people, and also um, you know have a good church library that that we all mm-hmm. use well. You know, we all are well grounded, and I think that's I think if you are in um, well grounded in doctrine and well developed in in theology, you will love your neighbor because that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's just seeing that that. Roundness. I, I find that you know when I go to talk to other pastors or talk to other churches, especially of other a little bit different faith, they do one or the other really well. I really admire how they do things. I was describing Phil and just his love for people, just his love for broken people, and just his love for the down and out. But he had thousands of books. We're still finding books. Like in his bottom dresser drawer was full of. She just said, well, there's about 50 more books we found in a dresser, you know, and somewhere in the back of the bedroom. And um, he loved theology. I mean, theology was his, he loved. But I said at his funeral that, um, uh, you know, when Phil started wanting to give me all these books a few years ago, even before he was really sick, he was, he was, had a few problems, but he didn't have cancer, but, um, he started wanting to give me all these books. Every time he'd come down, he'd bring five or six banana boxes full of theology books, mm-hmm. all kinds um, mm-hmm. of theology books from all different walks of life. He had, you might have Chesterton, Lewis, uh, Hooker. You might have all kinds of you know, Episcopalian stuff. You might have Catholic stuff. You might have all kinds of stuff. And um, so I said, you know, at his funeral, I said, I didn't really want all these books. You know, I'm a love your neighbor guy you know I mean I, I just want to go help people and care for people and you know love people and he, it was important for him to pass these books on to me but he was my friend and my mentor so I took the books and I started building bookshelves and I started this massive library and because um, they meant a lot to me and every one of them had his name written in the in the front cover of them so um, but then I said you know what what happened what what what, what over time, over over a while, I realized that if this makes me like him, then I want to read the books. Hmm. You know, because up until then, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a stuffy, you know, theologian, and you know, mm-hmm. um, I want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to be, you know, with people in their suffering, and um, that's what that's how you get there. That's mm-hmm. how he got there, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's. That's my, my, you know, my, my reason for pushing forward in theology, um, biblical understanding, and you know, learning from others is to be like Phil. Well, thanks, Nevin. It's been really good to talk with you, and I appreciate you as a an thanks elder, for having as me, a person, and as a brother in Christ. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life. Thank you.